electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Fast Money starts right now live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square. I'm Scott Wapner in tonight for Melissa Lee. Our traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, and Dan Nathan. The market bouncing back today. Stocks still having one of their worst weeks of the year as trade tensions escalate. But are these trade tantrums the buying opportunity you've been waiting for? But we start with the IPO everyone on Wall Street was waiting for. That's right, Uber having a wild debut, opening below its $45 IPO price, closing near the lows of the day, closing below its open price, down nearly 8%. Well, the rest of the market rallied back. Uber did not. This as investors questioning the value of the growth trade overall. The tech-heavy Nasdaq down 3% this week. That was its worst week of the year. Dan Nathan, what do you make of this? Uh, well, listen, I think it's nothing short of a disaster. I mean, this was a massively bungled IPO and, and brought to you by the, the company that, that massively bungled the last major tech IPO, which was Facebook back in 2012. When you think about it, I'll just tell you this. All day long, I kept on hearing people apologizing for... Sorry, who bungled it? Oh, it was Morgan Stanley. I mean, as, uh, you know, I mean, do you remember the, the Facebook deal uh, back in 2012? I mean, you know... Facebook opened, uh, you know, priced at 38, traded 44, closed that day at 38, and broke the next day and just flushed and kept on going. They priced until this thing, though, like in the, the low end bottom of the range. But, 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 but the here, range. Here, here's the thing. I'll just tell you this. All day long in the network, I, I thought you guys covered it amazingly. I heard excuses about really bad day to pick to go. Well, first of all, no one picks the day, and no one knows what the market's going to be doing. But if you price an IPO on a day where the Dow is down 1.5%, and that's your excuse why the thing opens below the, the price, you got big problems here. So but, this one. Is, you know. So, first of all, welcome, Scott. Thanks Thank for you, being here Timmy. on a Friday Thank afternoon. Thank you very much. Um, and I don't disagree that it was a, a, a disappointing debut that's, that's difficult uh, to dispute. But And I'm not defending Morgan Stanley. I, I, I think the, the reality around Uber is this is a stock where we had uh, everyone who wanted to own this stock could have owned this stock for the last three years. Every big institution that's very active in the tech space and they has did. owned this stock. Every retail person, I know, I know high net worths that are very active traders and even those that are not that own this stock. So if you think about what's been going on with Lyft for the last couple of weeks, and I don't think this is emblematic of the IPO market broadly, because I think we've really had some good performance overall for yeah, companies but a much smaller that, that deals. profitability. Much smaller deals. I mean, look at the size of this thing. And the open this morning, a $75 billion market cap. Where's that place in the S&P 500 if you want to slot that in here? So to me, well, I think it's, that's it's, probably the overarching message. This was such a big deal that this one had to, you know, this one had a, a stand up to the muster of what we were looking at. I don't know if it has anything to do with Morgan Stanley, truth be told. I, I think it had more to do with the environment. It had more to do with Lyft. It had more to do with growth concerns. Yeah. I think it's more about that versus the IPO market, per se. I think that's legit. Let me just add a little salt to the wound of the, of the Uber mess, which is, okay, I understood it really opened poorly. The market was down a lot, a lot of fears. Okay, then there was the multiple hundred-point rally, right. and the markets turned around, and yet Uber closed just off of its lows. That's a really dismal... I mean... The valuation, I can't make any sense of it, but just as like the mechanics. Just think about of the, 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 the institutions. We talked about this, the institutions that got this deal. And then they wind up getting it. They, they buy in at 45 and then they dump it 
you know, at 42 until you, you don't know the split between how many of those were large institutions that were dumping it and, and who else was selling it, the company was selling it. But that, to me, is more emblematic of what you just said, that they're not going to trade it all day long. When it's a winner, they get back in and they cycle through it a lot. There was a lot of volume. But you I, didn't see that. You're going to stab me in the face with the pen. I mean, I've done this before. Yeah, I was waving it over here. Well, one, one of the other things here is truly you could see short selling. You could see people hedging out positions. I mean, let's be clear. If you own the stock and you're someone that still is locked up for another six months, why not hedge into the market and sell down with with a different position? So um, and we were warned by that in the risk factor. So uh, I continue to think that this is a function of uh, really, you know, who owns it, how widely held uh, an environment. And, and yes, I think the markets didn't help. But uh, there's no question that we were not responding earlier in the day to Uber. And I don't think anybody questions that anymore. At one point, people were saying, oh, wow, Uber, if Uber fails, will the market fail? And I think that's is way this, off. Is base. this the straw that breaks, Dan, the valuation camels back in the valley? Yeah, well, listen, I think what it does is it you have to reevaluate what your exit valuation looks like, right? And so VCs who have been sitting on these massive, massive gains, you know, it wasn't too long ago where the range for this IPO, for the Uber IPO, was it was north of $100 billion, right? So look where we are, 30% haircut. So, you know, bringing it back to the public markets, what does it mean? You know, I thought it was really interesting on that rally that Karen just talked about, high-growth cloud names closed really well. Did you see they caught a bid? I would have thought that that would be the thing that you would want to extrapolate. There's some of these names that on a gap basis are losing money, right? And they have high revenue growth. It's a, you know, it would be the corollary to some of these other sort of things coming to public market. They traded really well. It's very isolated to these new big issues. Yeah, I would, you know, the market's turnaround to me should have grabbed the people that were most vulnerable on the way down. And so, I mean, I think you had outsized moves by high growth companies, companies that were seemed to be dead in the water, especially in a world where suddenly growth was was grounded again. So, um, you know, and, and to the trade war, I mean, let's face it, we, we don't have any planned discussions any time in the future. And, and I don't really know what the, the game theory is right now. I will say it's nice to get some, some, some comments that discussions went well. Um, but now what? And we're at 25 But it is pretty amazing when you get that positive headline. That's what keeps guys that are selling the market or shorting the market really on their heels because you get one blip, one positive headline, the market rips. And it doesn't matter which segment of it rips. It rips. And you wind up, and you wind up, you wind up you know, it's sort of getting your face ripped off. So you can't be short the market. Yeah. And that's well, why it's dangerous being yeah. short the market going into the weekend yes. when you're in the midst of a right. trade conversation, whether right. there is a talk today, tomorrow, Sunday or next week. It's just a dangerous position to potentially be in. It is. I mean, if you look at the VIX, which got crushed today, right, even of a day with pretty a lot of volatility in the market. And yet it seems now to be a barometer of do you believe Trump? Do you not? Are we going to see a deal over the weekend? I, I mean, I would have. I was surprised how much it got crushed because we we still have potential for a lot of volatility. Yeah, if we, we, were, we could have these same conversations in November about trade. Yeah. When you think about it, I mean, right? We had a lot of headlines, a lot of stuff coming out. There was a lot of short squeezes, and what happened when we finally just got sick of it? We plunged ten percent. I'm just saying in November trade, and December. Of course it was. We no, had the was, G20 in the beginning. It was of, Fed and That was all. That was all. But, no. but it was predominantly that was a Fed misstep. No, the, the, the Fed was priced into raising in December 21st. This happened in early December. Remember no, the G20. No, no. Down in Argentina? I, I, I'm not saying that it wasn't an aspect of the market sell-off, but there's not, there's no way. This was about Fed balance sheet. What this I'm saying about- is when you get too comfortable by saying you can't short the market because there's tape bombs left and right that are going to come out and squeeze you a little well, bit. Well, just think I'm about just where saying- we're at now, right now, though. The only, the only reason why they got a little bit of a backstop is that if this goes terribly wrong, this gives Powell cover to actually cut rates 
and where I don't think he should, and I think it would be a mess for the overall markets if they did cut rates. But if they did cut, uh, if you have global growth concerns, you have trade concerns, you have everything under the sun, you sort of get this backstop to the overall market because Trump gets what he wants in a way that we didn't all think was going to happen. How about the idea that, I mean, could you take this as a a positive? I know it's hard to see it that way, but if you were asking yourself and, and other market participants whether the market was a little bit frothy and it felt that way, if it was a little bit ahead of itself, you say the public market isn't frothy. Uber just told you it's not. The private market, that's another story altogether. Well, it's, it's a great question. And if you look at the S&P or the triple Qs or whatever you want to pick, but major indice, you were trading at relative strength indicators um, north of 80 two weeks ago, only two weeks ago. So absolutely. And, and, and the other side of what I think Steve was saying is um, whether you think this gives the Fed a cover to cut, at a minimum, what's more important right now? What's been more important for the Fed? If you heard um, last week that the Fed was hawkish, it doesn't matter. It's game off on trade. It doesn't even matter what's going on in Washington right now. So um, for people that are bulls, the good news here is I don't think the good news is a Fed cutting twice, and I think no. everybody's saying that. Um, but the good news is that the Fed is still your friend. And I think people are going to look past trade and suddenly, you know, 25 percent. We really don't know what this means. Uh, We certainly don't know what the remainder means. Um, But right now, you still have a constructive environment for monetary policy. Very constructive. No one takes, though, Dan, a sign of what happened with Uber today, something we potentially look back on and say that Oof. this was a defining moment I mean, in this particular listen, phase you know, of the bull market. We don't call tops around here or anything like that, but no. that double top at 29.50 you know. and then the pricing of the largest, you know, frothiest um, IPO that we've ever seen, I think it makes sense. When you think about it, you know, this is a company that was founded in 2012, 10, at just the, you know, the, the, the very beginning of this bull market that we've been in for a very long time here. It's kind of poetic how to bookend some of this stuff when you have these public IPOs. The yeah. fact that it basically was a disaster But you today. mentioned you mentioned. Facebook, which was a disaster for a variety of reasons, and look where it is today relative to where it was then. We maybe could have had the same conversation some years ago in, what was it, 12, 2012? Yeah, that we're having today in 2019. Just the I name think, is different. I think that's right. And, but, Dan, I would ask you, because you're, you're very in touch with, with the Valley community. Yeah. You're out there all the time. Yeah. You, you know a lot of these big tech VCs and entrepreneurs. What were they saying about Uber? No one, no one was. People were looking for liquidity, right? I mean, isn't, what was the inside? Well, well, that's the thing. Think about how much, how much capital this company has raised in debt and equity. I think over $10 billion before today's IPO. So the fact of the matter is we are in uncharted territory the way that these companies have been financed. Yeah. Over. This one was so big, they needed Nobody to get needed this liquidity. This. But some of these smaller ones, like on a day like today, we saw Zoom. We saw some of these ones. They're doing fine. And, and all day long in the network, I heard people, well, Zoom's doing well and Pinterest is done. They're a tiny deal. I mean, they were just small deals. Pinterest was a little bigger, but they needed this liquidity. This was a different capital structure, and I don't know that the private markets could have actually harbored this sort of risk that was um, not particularly transparent. That's no, why they needed to But if you're like a, a Slack we or were, some of the or we work, we work Airbnb. <laughs> I've been called a Slack, Scott. No question, but you're not going public anytime soon, thankfully. <laughs> Yes. If you're one of those companies, you look at this and you say, I don't know. You know, if the markets remain choppy like this and more volatile or, you know, dare I say, more upset than if they you don't are have today. Well, you're, you're saying, do I want to go public? Yeah. Well, well, it's, I, mean, well I just wonder if it, if it resets the yeah. you know, the market has a great ability to sort of self-regulate, self-scrutinize itself like maybe it did today with Uber. And then it resets a lot of the valuations, perhaps, with even the most well thought of potential IPOs in the in the queue, Slack and Snowflake and Airbnb and some of these other names. Right. Well, you know, as you said, it's really hard to pick the day or pick the environment that you're going to go into. And if you're looking for 
you know, you, uh, you're a massive company and you want to get liquidity, your holders want liquidity, you might have to do it anyway. And so maybe valuations go from obscene to outrageous, which is down 15 or 20 percent. They still probably well, would hold, do it. Let's be honest. This was the best possible environment. Like, think about it. Think about 2018. A lot of these companies were talking in 2017 about coming out in 2018. The volatility we had there made it, you know, just really, uh, best really possible difficult. environment in the worst possible week within the environment. That's right. And think about it. You remember when we had this government shutdown? That actually pushed out the calendar here. So we, this has happened into a NASDAQ that's up 20% on the year. This is about as good as it gets right now. And when you talk about the community, yes, they are rushing to the doors right now because because we are in the 10th year of this bull market, and who knows how much longer it's going to happen. So when you say to yourself, okay, we were thinking about $100 billion for Uber five months ago, but now we'll take 70 just to get liquidity, I think that makes sense. And a lot of these guys have locked up for another right. six months. And, you, you and they're shorting to hedge themselves out. But you also have companies that the revenue is declining. There's no, there's no mystery about it that when you look at Uber, the revenue has been declining. This is not a stereotypical growth company that is exponential growth and gets to market. They've been the rate of for growth. such a long time, the rate of growth. Rate of growth the rate growth. of growth is declining. Brad Gerstner on your show earlier today made a great point. He's like, if you're nervous for the next, I don't know, year or something like that, you can look at a Facebook, which we know is growing sales 20% a year, massively he said, if profitable. You're, if, you're, if you're nervous yeah. for the next three months as yeah. a, a viewer thinking Google. about buying the stock, That's right. Google especially now, is it pulled back so far? Don't. Wait, if you are a two-year holder or something of that respect, yeah. sure, he's a believer in it. At least that's his position. As we mentioned, stocks making a huge reversal today, still having one of their worst weeks of the year as trade tensions between the U.S. and China escalate. Kayla Tausche is in Washington with the very latest, a busy day, busy few days on your beat, Kayla. Yeah, Scott, one of the worst weeks for stocks all year, uh, coming off of whiplash on these trade talks, but ending with a rather sanguine set of statements from President Trump on Twitter after a week where he weighed in in a very vitriolic way on these trade talks. But today he says that he held candid and constructive conversations, his administration did, with China, their delegation led by the vice premier. And he says the relationship between President Xi and myself remains a very strong one and conversations into the future will continue. He doesn't say exactly when those talks will resume. And up until now, we don't know when those talks will be held. Safe to say it won't be next week. The Senate just putting out a testifying schedule for next week and the Treasury Secretary will be testifying on Wednesday on the Treasury Department's budget. And of course, normally he and the Trade Representative Ambassador Lighthizer have been the ones to travel to Beijing. But certainly uh, a rather calm end and conclusion to this week where the President uh, did increase tariffs last night, more than doubling them on the tranche of $200 billion. And I'm told that sources briefed on talks expect that uh, the can will be kicked for a matter of weeks and that if a deal isn't reached in a matter of weeks, it's then that President Trump would actually put into effect this paperwork to put tariffs on the remainder of Chinese imports. We'll see what can be done. We'll see what discussions happen behind the scenes. And we'll see if both China and the U.S. continue to have these cordial statements, at least in, in the public sphere. Scott. I'm looking at something right now, Kayla, um, that says, according to Mr. Liu, that China and the U.S. agreed to continue talks in the future, but in Beijing. So it certainly looks as though, yeah, talks are going to continue. We don't know exactly when, and it's not going to be here. 
Well, there has normally been a reciprocal aspect to this. So there would be one round here in Washington, one round in Beijing. Uh, you might recall that the U.S. Uh, delegation was just in Beijing uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, so it would be natural for the next round to take place in Beijing. I did see those headlines as well. We know that the <coughs> Vice Premier Liu He was briefing uh, the Chinese media uh, here before departing D.C. They had an afternoon flight. So perhaps that briefing is where those headlines are from, but certainly reiterating uh, exactly the messaging that we heard from the administration, although uh, there is probably more that went on behind the scenes, and that's the color that we're going to try to get to figure out exactly where this skirmish goes next. All right, Kayla, we appreciate it very much. That's Kayla Tausche with the latest out of Washington, D.C. For us, if I had told you all that we were going to have these additional tariffs put on and the market was going to be down, you said, yeah, I believe that. But I was going to say, and it's going to rally back on really not much and close where it did. You all would have been surprised, right? Mm -hmm. it, no yeah. one expected the market to finish where it did today with these additional tariffs, did you? I, I don't think they equated to the market turnaround of the day, so I agree with that. But I, I think we were oversold. Um, the velocity of the move, and this just comes down to positioning and trading and, and sentiment. Uh, and I think we got to a place where people quickly thought about December 24th. Que people quickly thought about a, a downgrade in the global economy like we began doing last summer. Um, and, and so, it, look, neither side should want this to happen. And, and right now, based upon the earnings season we just had, and although guidance wasn't great, we talk all the time about where EPS has been cut back, uh, I think a lot of this uh, was priced in this week. And we Exactly. We started earlier on the weekend when Tim said before, no one knows what 25% is going to be. The ratchet up from 10 to 25%. But what we do know is that companies adjusted for that 10%. So is it going to be as hard, the extra 15 for the ratchet up in the tariffs? I, I don't think so. And from speaking with CEOs, when I speak to them on a daily basis, they think, yes, it's a pain in the neck. Yes, it's a headwind, but it's not as bad because they already have alternate plans and workarounds. That's not to say that there aren't some specific names and big ones at that that got slapped around sure. a bit because of the trade news. Apple among them. Intel. That stock has gotten hammered down 7% this week. Baba, Win, Micron, U.S. Steel, and then some of the more obvious players that we talk about on a regular basis, that being industrials like Caterpillar. Names to, to keep an eye on if this sort of trade unrest, if you want to call it that, continues, Care. Yeah, I mean, Apple, to me, was it, it's not surprising. I'm not surprised it went down. Yeah. I'm maybe a little surprised it didn't go down more, actually. It bounced off the bottom 3%. All of them did. Okay, coming up, healthcare is the worst performing sector this year, up just 3%. One Wall Street analyst, though, is calling for a turnaround in the names holding back that group. Got the details coming up, plus earnings season is coming to a close. A number of big names, though, are still reporting next week. And there's one, the chart master says, will be setting up for a big breakout. We're live in Times Square in New York City on this Friday night. And there is much more fast right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Centene, Anthem, and United Health all falling ill over the past three months. Citigroup, uh -huh. though. You like that? Yeah, okay. You Clever. write that? You like no, that? Yeah. That's all you, right? I'll read anything. That's all you. <laughs> and I'll read it. <laughs> who, who is it that says the names are on the road to recovery? Was that City? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's not in there. I ain't reading it. All right. <laughs> City upgraded them. 
to buy. Medicare for all fears <coughs> appear to be overblown. It's our call of the day. Karen, you're an anthem. I am. I'm an anthem. I've been there for a long time, so it's been a rocky couple of, I don't know, six weeks or so. But I really think that the fears are overdone. The valuation is way overdone. And it's sort of an interesting place to hide in that it's really not caught up in any way in the China story, the trade story. So at these valuations, you know, 12-ish times, and, the, and they're, they're all do, they all move together, but their earnings have been excellent. So I like it here. I think Larry it's Robbins to pounded the table on yes. these names uh, this week. I, I, I agree with both Karen and Larry. I think that they have been pounded. They have been oversold. I, I do uh, believe his premise that the Medicare for all is basically, he said what City said, it's overblown, it's not going to happen to the extent that there are so many fears. There'll be more fears going forward, but ultimately these will be biased. But the problem is you can still have a ton of headwinds between now and then. And a lot of these names, although they've been pummeled, there's still room to the downside in a lot of these when you get these tweet bombs from, from both sides where it puts the investor on a skittish back foot. So I do believe ultimately longer term, these are all buys. Well, if you think about the move that UNH has had, so this to me is one of one of the class stocks in, in both healthcare, and I, I would think in most investors' portfolios, we've traded back to 245 off of 210 low, again, on, on, on what the desk here has talked about. Um, if you think about 18 to 20% EPS growth on average over the last five years, this is a company I don't run from. All right, for more on the big analyst calls of the day, go to CNBC.com. Here's what else is coming up on Fast. Yep, and Walmart stock is rolled back this month. But the chartmaster says this could be your best chance to buy the retail giant. And his charts might have you pressing by, too. Plus, stocks got crushed this week. Can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, me either. And Dan Nathan says there's one stock that could reveal just how bad things are about to get. There's much more Fast Money right after this. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. We're back. It's time for final trades. Let's go around the horn. Timmy, you start us off, so On the please. extended final trade version, I'm going with AT&T. And in an environment where people are still somewhat concerned about growth, this is a company that is paying you a phenomenal dividend. But as we've seen something like Disney and some of these other names begin to re-rate, this is a media play. This is Time Warner, some of the parts. Uh, I think this looks very interesting here. 
Thank I you. Stay long. Thank you for Thank the extended you. version. Thank you, Scott. Is that what that was? That's what I do here on Well, when told to extend the, the <laughs> final trade, I do. So I Karen, did. get you it. Still have the an extended final trade after that? Uh, yes. No. Alphabet, I mean, you know, clearly a very bad couple of weeks, but I think it is really oversold here. And, you know, you talked on the show today about where, where is growth that you could find at a reasonable price. This is it. So Alphabet. All right. right Steve here. Grasso. So OLN, Olin Corp. You ever hear me mention this stock before? No. Okay. So I have <laughs> mentioned a couple times in my final trade, Olin Corp. I am long and I'm staying long. I think it's an easy double from here, OLN. All right, Danny. All right, so this is a little last options action tease here. Stick around. I think the most important thing that we're going to hear next week is going to be Cisco Systems' guidance for this current period. They had a stellar, stellar quarter last quarter. Let's see what they can do next week. All right. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. For the show what's that's coming, coming up? up next. Hold on, hold on. What's, what's up next? Well, that does it for us. Oh. oh. <laughs> but, well, you can catch more Fast Money 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Don't but, move, though. Options action starts right after the break. <laughs> The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.